Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Coop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. Last week we started the series on empowering the future, building the next generation of leaders. Today we're going to continue on that topic, empowering the future. And uh, every church has to tackle this subject. Every organization, every family really needs to address it. And our entire year, 2011, we're going to be talking about, and that'll be our theme, empowering the future. We're so excited, like Cheryl had mentioned earlier, to have 11 interns jumping on board, giving up a year of their life to say, I'm going to give this year to the Lord, serve Him full blast here in God's house, and run strong for Him. Our young adults, same thing. We're just seeing them rise up and a great move happening there. Uh, You saw a number of the youth leaving this morning. We're running out of space across the street for the young people that are meeting there. There's a generation that is hungry for the things of God. And they're saying, we're looking for it, we're yearning for it, and we want to do our very best to empower that next generation of leaders to run strong for God. Today we're going to be using the relay race, the 4 by 100 relay race as an example to build off of. Every example has its limitations and this one does too. But we're going to learn some things from this and apply it to the race of life and how we need to pass truth on from one generation to the next generation. Let me ask a question here this morning. How many of you competed in track and field events? Who was ever in track and field all right, that's, that's a good number. How many, how many have not competed in a track and field event? Let me see that hand. Okay, it's about a 50-50 split. Some of you aren't sure what track and field is. <laughs> you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> My track and field events that I liked the most was high jump. I love high jump. Uh, I like doing shot put, and I also like running. Those were the three events that I enjoyed doing. And it was it was a big deal. When I grew up in school, everybody had to do track and field. It wasn't optional. Everybody had to do it. But if you were, if you were able to win at your school level, then they sent you to the regionals. And if you've competed at the regionals, you got to go to provincials. And it was a lot of fun doing track and field. One event in the track and field event was the relay race. And it's often safe for the last, even the Olympics, it's run near the end. And it's a It's a highlight to see these people working together as a team to win, and a baton is passed from person to person. I'm going to show you a little video clip in just a second about a relay race, or it is a relay race, but a couple things just before we go there, and these are some points to remember as we go into the message. One is that when we think about passing a baton on and running a relay, I think in life, you will pass the baton more than once. It's not just, well, I'm doing at this point in my life to the next generation. The baton represents truth. And you'll pass truth on different times in your life. For example, you could be a teenager and you could be passing truth on to somebody who's maybe 11 to 13 years of age. Dr. James Dobson tells us that the, that period of our life, between 11 and 13, can be the most critical years of our life. And if you've raised children, you know between the ages of 11 and 13, when they're entering into puberty, it seems like school gets divided into a couple different camps. Often you have that, at that age, you have kind of a rebellious group. They want to go out in the back and smoke, or they want to start partying. And at this age, this day and age, already starting thinking about their sexual life, and they can start going in that direction. They have another group that's more academic, or they're more into sports. And as a parent, you really have to be alert at that point in their life. It's a critical stage. It's really a crossroad for an individual's life, how they're going to go into their teenage years. 
And what we found in our parenting experience was to have teenagers in our home at that time that were on fire for God, they did an amazing job of passing truth on that we couldn't or helped us for them going through that period of their life. That's in their, their teens they're passing on. So this isn't just once in your life. You can pass on truth a baton many times in your life. And it's not necessarily age-related. We kind of think of it as older to younger, but it could be just where you are in your life. For example, you may have somebody who's in their, let's say, let's say they're 24, married, but been married for four years. Well, they could be passing truth on to somebody who's in their late 20s, who just got married. So it's not necessarily age-related. Or you could have somebody who's 30, and they've been a Christian since then, or eight, and they could be passing truths on to somebody who's 50, who just came to know the Lord. So it's not necessarily age-related. Often it is, but it doesn't have to be. And then also, we just need to share as we go into it that you should always have somebody in front of you and somebody behind you. There's always things you can pass on to others, but there's always somebody in front of you as well. So keep that in mind as we go through this message this morning. Here's a video we're going to show you. It's a 1996. The Canadian men want the Olympics 4 by 100 We had to go back a few years to find the Canadians winning in this event, but we found one when they did. Lately, the Jamaicans have been tearing up the track, but 1996, the Canadians tore up the track. So we're going to show you. It's only 40-some seconds long, so you've got to watch carefully. But here's a couple of things that you should be looking for. One, look for them the way they stay in the lane. These guys are going to be really focused, and they're going to be staying in their lane. We're going to come back to that point. So look for them staying in their lane. Look for how hard they're running. Look how focused they are in their running. Because in a minute, we're going to go to Paul. And Paul said, remember the stadium. Remember the way they run. So Paul was to the church in Corinth. He painted the picture of the runner. And so we're using it by video today. And watch how focused they are, staying in the track and running. And then also watch the baton change. You're going to see them reach out with a baton. And another guy's going to be running in front of them. And they're going to reach back. And they're not even going to be looking. And that person's going to slap the baton into their hand. They're going to run. They don't change hands with a baton. They keep it in the hand that they got it. And then they give it to the next person. Four by 100. Three baton changes you're going to see in this quick little video. And then the other thing, notice... The amount of track that is used to change the baton. In the 4x100, you get 20 meters to change the baton out of the 100. So actually, a fifth of it is changing lane. So take a notice of that. Then also note that the runner who gets the baton is running already when it's handed off to him. He has to start running. You get 10 meters to get up to speed to get in the exchange lane to receive the baton. So I gave you a few things to watch, and then we're going to sprint into the message. So let's watch this little clip. For Robert Esme. Esme was absolutely wonderful. He did everything right. He was so tough. He kept Drummond at bay, and Drummond knew it. I think Drummond started seizing up about here. Esme says, hand. There's the hand. What a great change there. Absolutely fantastic. Ben Roy Gilbert blitzed that back straight the same way that they did in the women's when the Americans won it. And now you can see the bend here, really. Surim was away then. It was won by this stage. The hand goes back. No troubles this time. And he took it two yards up and gained another four. 
the one and the four by four. What? Yeah, I just feel like cheering after that. Yay, Canada, you won it. It's, it's only like 14 years ago, but yay, Canada won a gold medal running that race. You just kind of feel the adrenaline coming off a 40-second clip. There's a race that's happening. They're running, and we're, and we're watching this even though it's past. And you can just feel the, the rush of that. Today, in heaven, there's a great cloud of witnesses. And you know who they're watching? They're watching you run. They're watching you run the run of faith. They're watching you live all your Christian life, and they're cheering you on. Others are cheering you on. But there are those that are watching. The angels are watching as you're running this race of faith. So a couple of things that we need to point out. I'll give you seven points this morning. We're going to blaze through them. Number one, running the race in order to pass the baton. Some of this is just intuitive. It just, it's common sense, but let's go through it. One, you have to stay in the lane. Stay focused, and you have to run hard. Did you see the way those guys are running? I mean, they're just focused, running in their lane. In order to get the baton... You've got to be running for the truth. The baton, remember, represents truth. And if you want to get the baton, you have to run for the truth. If that person is standing there, the next runner comes along, and they're just like, oh, you know what, if I feel like it, I'll go after it. He's never going to get the baton. The person who gets the baton is the one who's hungry for the truth. The Bible says, buy the truth, sell it not. Seek the truth. Seek me and you shall find me. Know the truth. We won't have a truth handed into our life unless we're pursuing truth. If you're hungry for truth, you're pursuing truth, you have a desire, you have an appetite for it, then truth will come your way. Truth can be handed into you. But if somebody's not hungry for truth, they're like, oh, you know, I can take it or leave it. You know, whatever, that's you, that's the other generation, I'll do it my way, and blah, 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 blah. Chances are you're not going to get the truth. But if you're hungry for truth, you're pursuing it, you're running after it, it can be put into your life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, you've all been to the stadium, and they, they watched races back then. They were very keen on this type of a sport. You've been to the stadium. You've seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Then Paul says, run to win. He's talking about our spiritual life. Run to win. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, this is the only race worth running. There's a lot of races we run in our life. There's a lot of things we can put our energy and our time into. But Paul was telling Timothy here, there's one race you really have to work at. Be diligent. Train for it. Daily run this spiritual race that we're in. He said, I've run hard right to the finish. I believed all the way. There's something about a believer who finds the Lord, who doesn't quit, who runs hard all the days of his life. That will inspire a next generation. On the flip side of that, somebody who starts strong for God and then they quit, a next generation comes along and says, what happened to that? Why did they quit? In our church, we have a lot of people that come to faith in Christ and they didn't have a Christian home or a Christian uncle or aunt or they just didn't have that influence in their life. And so the next generation of believers are who they look to. And if they're here for a couple of years and then, oh, they stop coming to church or they stop doing it, running the race of faith, it affects them running the race. Paul, I love what he says. He says, I didn't quit. I kept running. And every one of us will hit a wall just like a racer will hit a wall and we'll have like, 
you know what? I have to push through this. There are times in your Christian life where you have to say, I will not quit. I'm going to keep running. I've received some persecution. Some people have laughed at me. It's gotten hard. I, I feel like I'm in a dry season. God, where are you? But at those moments, you keep running. I will not quit. I won't let go. Paul said, I am waiting for that prize. The world will give you prizes. At one point, Paul said, some people run in this life to receive a perishable crown. Before the gold medals, they gave you a wreath, and that would perish. Today, you get a gold medal or a silver medal, bronze, whatever. But there's a prize that's coming, folks, that's going to be very real, very tangible. Your gold medal would only last for so many years on this planet. Excuse me, but there is an award coming. There is a, a prize worth running for, that you'll receive one day in heaven for running this life of faith. In a very temporal world, it's easy to keep ourselves just looking at what we get here on this planet as we run our life here. But there's another day coming. There's a reward day where we'll stand before God and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't quit. You kept running. Here is your reward. Enter into the blessings that I have for you. That's a real day, and that will last for all eternity. Stay focused, stay in the lane, run hard. Number two, the older generation must keep up the pace and prepare for the handoff. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we'll harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Now look carefully at what he says here, the latter part of this verse, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. You've got talents, you've got energy, you've got resources. God's given every one of us certain gifts and talents and callings, and guess what? People will start to pull on those gifts and callings. They'll, they'll want you here, they'll want you there, pass this on to me over here. Hey, I'm over here, pass it on to me, pass it on over to me. And Paul was making it abundantly clear the first place it has to be passed on to is in the community of faith in the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Paul was, he was a fanatic about building the local church because he knew for the local church to be strong, when it was strong, it would go from generation to next generation. One of the saddest things you can see in any country is when the churches have are gone when they, the next generation hasn't caught it. And that, that presence of the Lord, the presence of the church has dwindled. We have to continue to pass it on to the next generation. But if we take our energy, if we take our talents and our resources, well, I'll do it somewhere else because they really want me over there. Paul say, first in the community of faith, pass on the baton. That's the first place it needs to go. Yeah. Does that make sense? Good. Okay. Then we can go on to number three. Number three, the next generation must overcome any distractions and be ready to receive. The first generation, when you got a truth, you got to keep running with the truth. If you stop, if those runners are running around the track, what if one of the runners just stopped and said, I'm going to quit? No matter what that next person does, he can't get the truth because the other person stopped running. you got to stay running and keep going, keep running, keep moving. Don't quit. Don't quit. For somebody this morning... Didn't share this last night. Didn't share it. 9.30. But it just starts burning in my heart. Actually happened when I left last service. Somebody this morning, don't quit in your marriage. Keep running. 
keep running. The truths to build a strong marriage, to keep your home strong. It's not just for you. It's for a generation behind you. It's for grandchildren behind you. I know it's challenging right now. I know you got every reason that you thought of to quit. But for somebody this morning, God's saying, don't quit. Keep running. Keep moving. Keep trusting me. There's a breakthrough coming. It's not just for you. It's for the truth you're passing on to the next generations. Keep running. Don't quit in your marriage. The next generation must overcome any distractions and be ready to receive. The guy who's standing on the side and he's, he knows that the runner's coming up to him, you're very focused. I don't know if you've run in a relay race, but when you're in that place and you know you're going to get the baton, you're not thinking about anything else. You are blocking out every distraction. And as they're coming along, you are, you're getting ready. Okay, here's, now, here's my timing. Now I'm going to run. And you just run for it with all your worth. And you, you get into that exchange lane. And if you weren't running, if you weren't engaged, if you got distracted, you'll miss catching that baton or that truth that God has for you. You have to be ready. Let me share again Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days of what? Your youth. Before the difficult days come, the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Let me speak to those that are teens in their 20s here this morning, maybe in your 30s. These are some of the most valuable years of your life. And the world will put a bid on them. Come over here, come over this, do this, do that. These years are so crucial to stay focused on what God has for your life. You'll build off of it the rest of your life. If you'll give God those early years. And that doesn't mean you have to, you know, go off somewhere to a Bible school or go on a mission trip necessarily or do this or do that. It just means, God, I'm going to be in your house. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be in a life group. I'm going to do Alpha. I'm going to be plugged in. And I'm not just going to drift off somewhere and just go try this or try that. In the last service, we talked about, I have to go sow my wild oats before I give myself totally over to God. We had wild oats on the farm. The wild oats is a royal pain. If you get wild oats in your field, you can get rid of it, but it just comes back up again. You get rid of it, it comes back up again. It kind of resurfaces again and again. Better not to have wild oats in the first place. Say, God, I'm going to give you the best years of my life. I'm going to give these years in my life, and I'm going to run hard for you. you say, well, man, I kind of blew those years of my life. What about me? I'll tell you this, God's a great restorer. God can repair the breach. He can absolutely come along, and it can take off from there. But obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better in the first place that, God, I give you these years of my life. We've talked to so many people in their, in their 30s, their 40s, and even in their 50s, and like, oh, if I could just go back and get those years again. Why did I do that? I went to university. I grew up in a home that followed God. I went to church, but I went to university. I spent four years partying, and I just kind of went to the crowd. And then I got out of university, got my job, and it took me like five years before I finally got plugged back in again. I looked back, why did I do that? One of the reasons we did it is because there was a lot of peer pressure. We didn't want to feel like we were left out. We thought, you know, let's just go with the flow. I challenge you today to say, wait a minute. In my youth, I'm going to serve God. I know it's challenging. I know there may be some persecution, but give God the best and he'll give you the best. What you sow, you reap. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Do you see what this all means? All these pioneers who blazed away, all these veterans cheering us on. I love this part out of the Message Bible. It means we better get on with it, strip down, start running, never quit. 
Never quit. No spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Pastor Greg Rochelle in his podcast, I Believe in You, he said this generation today has three unique distractions, temptations, if you like. Maybe every generation has had them, but I think with the advance of the Internet, information we have, where we live today, I think it applies to my generation as well. I am distracted with this. And he says there's three things unique. We have a lot of temptations, but these are three unique temptations. One is the temptation to feel entitled. This distracts us from running the race, an entitlement attitude. There's a book that was written called The Me Generation. It's all about me. I'm entitled to it. Canadians, we fall into that temptation because it's my health care, my rights. What can I get from Canada? What can I have? It's, it's about me, this entitlement attitude. Does it come into the church? Can it creep into the church? Sure it can. How about coastal church? Yeah, it can creep into here. We've had it happen. If you're looking for the perfect church, just to give you a heads up, we're not the perfect church. We're a church that's learning and growing. But to give you an example, a number of years ago, we, you know, we have in between the services, we have coffee and apples, tea and different things. And Well, there was a time we had cookies and apples. That cookies got to be really messy, and parents started to say, you know what? My kids are eating a lot of cookies, and they're coming out of church on a sugar high, so maybe just the apples. Oh, that's good advice. Let's just have the apples. So we just had the apples. But the following Sunday, something happened. People felt they were entitled to cookies. <laughs> and so in our church, it was like, where are the cookies? <laughs> Pastor, no cookies. Where are my cookies? I always have three cookies. I put four cookies in my purse before I go. Where are the cookies? <laughs> Seriously, I want my cookies. How come there's no cookies? <laughs> so maybe it's a good thing we took away the cookies. I don't know. <laughs> So we have apples, but there's this, it really, it slips easy into our life, this sense of entitlement. And a sense of entitlement, it's all about me. And when it's all about me, I don't see the others to catch the baton. So we've got to be careful about that. Bill Gates, in his book, Business at the Speed of Thought, lays out 11 rules that students should learn, or 11 rules that students do not learn, I should say, in high school or college, but they should. And he argues that our feel-good, politically correct teachings have created a generation of kids with no concept of reality who are, who are set up for failure in the real world. So, can I give you Bill Gates' rules? You got time for a couple of rules this morning? All right, number one, life is not fair, get used to it. Rule number one. Rule number two, Bill Gates says for this generation, the world won't care about your self-esteem. The world will expect you to accomplish something before you feel good about yourself. Rule number three, you will not make $40,000 a year right out of high school. You won't be vice president with a car phone until you earn both. Rule number four, if you think your teacher is tough, wait till you get a boss. He doesn't have a tenure. Rule number five, flipping burgers is not beneath your dignity. Your grandparents had a different word for burger flipping. They called it opportunity. Rule number six, if you mess up, it's not your parents' fault. So don't whine about your mistake, learn from them. Rule number seven, before you were born, your parents weren't as boring as they are now. <laughs> he goes on, they got that way from paying your bills. 
cleaning your clothes and listening to you talk about how cool you are. So before you save the rainforest from parasites of your parents' generation, try delousing the closet in your own room. Rule number eight. Bill Gates says, your school may have done away with winners and losers, but life has not. In some schools, they've abolished failing grades. They'll give you as many times as you want to get the right answer. This doesn't bear the slightest resemblance to anything in real life. Rule number nine. Life is not divided into semesters. You don't get summers off, and very few employers are interested in helping you find yourself. Do that on your own time. (laughs) Rule number 10, television is not real life. In real life, people actually have to leave the coffee shop and go to jobs. (laughs) And then number 11, as only Bill Gates could say, be nice to nerds, chances are you'll end up working for one. (laughs) So, a little bit of advice from Bill Gates on how to run the race. This temptation to feel entitled. Another temptation our generation has overcome is the temptation to define truth as they see it. There's no such thing as an absolute truth. You've heard that said. And that's a real challenge in staying in the lane. If, you, if your thought is there's no such thing as absolute truth, you can't catch a baton of truth. It won't land in your hand. So if that's... Do you, do you see what's happening? Think about it. What is the last thing that Satan wants you to have? What sets you free? Truth. How does truth often come? From one generation to the next generation. Why, year after year after year, has there been that what? Generation, help me out, gap. If there's a gap, what happens? You can't hand off a baton. If there's a gap between one run and the next run, the truth can't be passed. Why does Satan attack in between the generations? He doesn't want us to get the truth. That's why he'll lie to parents and say, your kids are this, your kids are that, and blah, blah, blah. And he'll lie to the, the children and say, your parents are this. What's he after? He's after them not getting the truth. Because if you get the truth, you get faith. If you get faith, you move mountains. The last thing he wants us to have is faith. Faith pleases God. Faith helps us to overcome the world. And he doesn't want you to have faith. So let's stop the truth. I'm here today to say, devil, you're losing. We'll do everything in our power. We'll do everything we can. We'll teach. We'll work. We'll pray. But we're going to pass the truth from one generation to the next generation. And he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Yeah. So that was number three. Oh, the last one was the temptation to postpone adulthood. Lots been written about that. You can look around you. People get married later, do things later. There's a whole book called The I Generation. Dr. Tim Elmore talks about this. And it's true. There's a temptation to put off adulthood. We have something called kid adult now. There's different words that have been formed around this. And I think God's challenging the next generation. Don't wait till you're 30. Do the hard yards in your teens and your 20s. We live with so much that we think, well, I just want to experience everything and and then I'll, quote unquote, settle down, be an adult or whatever. God's saying, rise up now. There was a book that came out by a bunch of teenagers, a couple of teenage brothers, and they wrote a book called Do the Hard Things. Because there's a generation, some in that generation say, wait a minute, we want to do the hard things, challenge us. 
We don't want to wait till we're 40 or 30. We, we want to do it now. Yeah. That temptation can be overcome as well. Number four, the exchange happens while running together. Paul sent Timothy on with the message after they had done life together. He sent him on. Now look at Philippians chapter 2, 20 and 23. It's there in your notes. Paul writes, for I have no one like-minded. In order for that baton to be handed off, in order for truth to go from one generation to the next generation, they have to be on the same page. Would you agree? You've got to be like-minded. Don't you think both the runner and the receiver are thinking about it? They're like-minded. I know it's a simple point, but if we're not like-minded, truth doesn't exchange. That's how we get synced up. Have you ever had trouble syncing your, your, your phone to your computer or whatever, and you have to, you have to get all the different, oh, where is this? And you'll, you'll, you'll scroll through your computer, and what setting do I have to change to get this to sync? And you finally get it like-minded, and then the data transfers. And truth doesn't transfer, doesn't sync, unless we're like-minded. If we have an attitude towards the next generation, if we have an attitude because we're running ahead of them, if that, that attitude can cause a malfunction of truth transfer because we're not like-minded. There has to be an understanding. There has to be a, a compassion. There has to be a love between us in order for this transfer to happen. No one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. That's amazing, isn't it? Just think about Paul saying, I don't have anybody else that I can sand. Paul knew a lot of people, big influence, but apparently this is kind of rare. But he says, he's talking about Timothy. All seek their own, but not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know what? His proven character. Now look at this part. You can underline it or circle. That as a son with his father, he served with me. Paul and Timothy work side by side together. Again, in that race, there's about 20 meters out of the 100 that the baton changes. And the exchange of truth doesn't just happen in one meeting. It doesn't just happen like, okay, can I meet you for coffee? Can you pass down the truth to me? Okay, download all right now. I want it instantly. It doesn't work like that. It works by doing life together being with somebody, there's this transfer of truth that takes place. I think we need to pray for that. There's always somebody ahead of you, and there's always somebody behind you. There may be an exception to that. Shell's grandmother's over 100, and she feels like all her friends have died. There's nobody ahead of her anymore, but that might be the exception. But for most of us, there's somebody who knows something ahead of us. Well, let me back up a bit. She, she's 100. But that woman continues to read books, Christian books, on a daily basis and continues to learn from people that are probably 50 years younger than her. She's still learning. So I I might want to correct that. But age-wise, anyhow, there's somebody ahead of us. There's somebody that has a truth that you could use today in your life. Listen really carefully. This, This might be your takeaway point this morning. I don't know. Pray and say, God, bring somebody into my life that knows you better than I do or knows a truth in this area of my life that I'm struggling, that I don't, bring that person with heavenly wisdom. There's earthly wisdom. There's heavenly wisdom. Bring that person into my life because often truth comes through another individual into your life. And if you pray for that, you'll ask for that. That is God's will. He provides all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us and we have the request which you've asked from him. So if you start praying to God, 
I'm struggling with raising my children, for example. Bring somebody into my life that could help me with this. It will happen. When we were, our children were young, they weren't in school yet, and uh, it's, we had three at home that time under the age of six, and it was a busy time for us. And we were, like any parent, we are like, how do we figure this thing out? And uh, we were reading books, and books are good. Tapes are good. Podcasts are good. That's great. You know the difference between a book and a podcast or a DVD or, or even an audio teaching and having somebody in person teach you? That person can challenge you. That person can correct you. That person can keep you accountable. Books don't keep you accountable. Books don't ask you the hard questions. You can get information. And don't, I encourage reading the books, but... There's something about an individual really speaking into your life that I don't think Facebook can replace. Nothing can replace that. And so pray for that. We, we did, and God sent a couple called Ron and Kathy Giesbrecht into their life. Amazing people, great people. They, their children were in their teens, and we go over to their home, and just through being with them, we'd ask them questions. How do you do this? How do you do that? We saw the way they raised their teenage kids. And, ah, we learned things from our parents. It was great. But there was something about having a living model around us that we caught truth. The baton was passed. But it didn't happen in one coffee shop or in one meeting. It took place over the course of a couple of years that we were with them. That chapter finished and we had to move on. Yeah. It passed on. I'm so glad today. It's so valuable. Truth sets you free. But you got to pursue it. you got to run after it. Timothy caught truth, worked with Paul, and because of that, he was sent. He got sent out, equipped. Number five, timing is crucial in the transaction. I think Joshua and his generation, they must have missed some of the timing because it didn't get passed on from Joshua to the next generation. They grew up and they didn't know anything of God nor the work that he'd done for Israel. So something must have happened there that the timing wasn't right. Windows of opportunity. There's a window of opportunity in that race. And if you miss that window, it's over. The baton, the truth doesn't get passed. And... Here's an interesting thing. Sometimes you can be in that exchange lane of life where truth is passed on, and you think you may not realize it. That's why it's really important to be spiritually praying and thinking about this, because often the person you think you would get truth from may not be the person you've expected. God can bring somebody else into your life, and all of a sudden it'll dawn on you, wait a minute. This is, I asked for so-and-so, if I could only have so-and-so in my life, man, they would really be able to help me. But God sends somebody else along and go, this is not what I expected at all. When Sharon and I went to Tennessee, we, we shared before about a man named Brother Littlefield that we worked with. And we, we, we didn't think it was, he was the most, the best preacher. We, we, we thought other people were better. We thought other churches could have been better. But for some reason, God put us to work with him. We end up working, helping feed poor people. And during that season, we slowly began to realize it's not what we expected. The package didn't come the way we thought it should be. But we began to realize he was passing truth on for us. My regret is 
I didn't realize it soon enough. I wish so many times I could have gone back during that window, during that timing, and just say, what about this? What about that? So really important point, folks. There will be seasons of your life where people will pass on truth. Don't miss those windows. And it doesn't stop when you're 30. It doesn't stop when you're 40. I believe God continues to give you, if you're hungry to learn, if you don't stop learning, I think it could happen in your 50s, your 60s, your 70s. This series we're doing is for every generation. No matter where you are, this series is for every generation. I think it's a sad thing when people get to the age of 65 and say, okay, now I'm just going to cruise. I'm going to stop learning. I'm just going to coast until I hit the grave. Don't do that. Learn, study, grow, keep giving out, keep giving it away your entire life. Timing is important. Then number six, the baton represents the presage message that we're carrying. I'm going to show you a picture from New York, New York Central Park. If you go there, you're going to find a statue of a dog. His name is Baldo. Baldo is a husky. 1925, January, this dog rolled into Nome, Alaska, and he became a hero across the world. They were following the story. He was led by a a guy who, the dog sled musher was a guy by the name of of Gunter Cosson. And Gunter, here's a picture of Gunter with the dog. That's him with Baldo back then in 1925. What had happened was in Nome, Alaska, they were discovering gold, and there was a lot of people that were there living in that camp. Diphtheria broke out. And so, that's good, thanks. Diphtheria had broken out, and there was no vaccine in town. Would have spread quickly, would have wiped out the town. They telegraphed into Anchorage, Alaska. They found 300 vials of serum antidote for this diphtheria there. No plane, no way to get it there. The only way to get there was by dog sled. And so they had 20 teams of dog sleds that relayed 657 miles through blizzard conditions, over 40 below, through Alaska in the wintertime. Normally it would take one month for them to make that dog sled relay, but they did it in 127 and a half hours. They moved 600 miles. They took this life-giving serum for those that were perishing and brought it into Nome, Alaska. And that dog was the lead dog as they entered into it. The world was watching the story. And all these men and dogs were heroes because they took this life-giving serum from person to person, from team to team, and they came into town. And the people didn't die. The people had life. You and I are carrying life-giving serum for the next generation. There's a world that's perishing without Christ. And the serum we have is the precious message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cost, our Lord and Savior, his blood, died for this message. And one of the greatest things we can pass on is to continually share that Jesus is Lord and he alone can save us from our sins. Amen? Now, the last point is this, and very important, is that we have to keep cheering people on. No matter where we are in life. If you notice those runners, after they finished running, what did they do? They cheered on the person that had the truth. Folks, one thing we can keep doing, no matter what age we are, is cheering each other on. The Bible says to encourage each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Folks, we need cheerleaders in church. We need to encourage each other, encourage new people. 
Look around those that just got water baptized. Encourage them. Look at those interns that are just starting out next week. Encourage the interns. We have uh, 30-some people that have signed up for Bible school this semester. Encourage those people. Those that are going to Alpha, encourage those people. Those that are in your life group, encourage those people. Encourage one another as they run the race. No matter where we are, we need to keep cheering people on. When that person's running that relay race, their job isn't finished when they hand off the baton. They're done. Their job is to continue cheering for the team. I encourage you, keep cheering for your team here at the church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.